Hi, this is the American Psychological Association's Division 15 podcast series on emerging research in educational psychology. My name is Jeff Green. Thanks for joining us. For the last 11 years, I've been a parent of children in public schools, and often the teachers and leadership would stress how important it was that parents be involved in their students' education. That parental involvement and its importance went to new levels during the global pandemic. Suddenly, parents and families were challenged to take on whole new roles in their students' education. But like many things during the pandemic and during remote emergency instruction, there were cultural, societal, economic, and other differences that really affected whether and how parents could be involved in their students' education. It's clear we didn't know enough about how to think about, address, or optimize these differences. And the pandemic amplified the need for us to greatly increase our efforts to understand how parental involvement happens and how to make it work for everyone. Even as we transition into whatever the next pandemic normal is, we still need more good thinking, research, and practice regarding what parental involvement is and could be, what affects it, and how it relates to students' and family success. That's why I'm thrilled that Drs. Mika Williams-Johnson and Alyssa Gonzalez de Haas led a whole special issue on parental involvement in culturally distinct communities, and I'm excited to talk to them about it today. Dr. Mika Williams-Johnson is a full professor of educational research in the College of Education at Georgia Southern University in Statesboro, Georgia. Additionally, she currently serves as a Governor's Teaching Fellow for the state of Georgia. She is a graduate of the University of Georgia, earning her PhD in Educational Psychology. Dr. Williams-Johnson conducts research exploring emotions and their impact on teaching and learning, and more specifically, she investigates critical race issues, efficacy beliefs, parents' motivation and school choice options, and African-American schooling and or homeschooling experiences. Through planning, conducting, and publishing several research studies, Dr. Williams-Johnson has contributed to the larger body of knowledge on schools and learning, resulting in recommendations to achieve better educational experiences for all students. Dr. Alyssa Gonzalez de Haas is a full professor of educational psychology in the Department of Curriculum and Instruction at Florida Atlantic University. She published the book, Parent Involvement for Motivated Learners, Encouraging Self-Directed and Resilient Students with Rutledge in 2020. Her research interests include parental involvement, student motivation and achievement goals, and the case study method of teaching educational psychology. She currently serves on the editorial review board for the School Community Journal, which publishes research related to the school as a community of educators, students, and parents. Today, we're talking about Drs. William Johnson and Gonzalez de Haas' 2022 article in Educational Psychologist entitled Parental Role Construction Leading to Parental Involvement in Culturally Distinct Communities, which is part of a special issue of Educational Psychologist that they guest edited on the same topics. Mika and Alyssa, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. So let's start here. What is parent involvement in learning education and, and why does it matter? Well, that's a critical issue and I think that's a great way to get started. In the special issue, we take time to do a deep dive and define parental involvement and also highlight aspects of the Hoover-Dempsey-Sandler model on parental involvement to focus specifically on the psychological construct of a parental role construction to expand what we currently know about what parental involvement looks like and more about cross-cultural differences in the sociological context. So beyond just seeing parents in classrooms and schools, let's understand that parental involvement happens every day and everywhere. Yeah, that kind of broad view on parent involvement is, is really helpful. And one of the things that your special issue does so well is talk about how the term parent involvement 
is sometimes seen as more homogenous than it really is. So can you talk to us a little bit about how parent involvement might vary across groups and cultures in ways that need more attention? Hmm. Well, I would say that what I think we offer in this special issue is exciting contributions from prominent researchers in parental involvement literature who engage in sharing perspectives across different cultural backgrounds. For example, Yoko Yamamoto and her team on Asian immigrant families share in their article, Chinese Cultural Models of Learning to Illustrate Chinese Immigrant Families and Approaches to Involvement in Their Children's Education. Many times we see some of our Asian students who've worked really hard and have exceptionally high achievement, but we don't see some of the parents maybe at PTA meetings or serve as classroom party moms. Mm. And so several parents, they struggle to see how does involvement in schools at PTA meeting translate into student achievement. And that's a critical question to consider. We are also fortunate to have Christine McWayne and her colleagues to contribute to this special issue. They share the concerted effort of early childhood programs in Latin communities and demonstrate positive outcomes and strong relationships or partnerships between teachers and parents. They provide specific opportunities on leaning into a cultural focus within our communities and working with parents in building sustaining relationships, starting with students at an early age. We also have a contribution from myself and Dr. Cheryl Fields-Smith. We challenge parental models that do not consider emotions overall. Mm. And emotions leading into parental involvement are leading to action that we may see in schools. We provide an example of Black homeschooling to illustrate parental critical engagement and emotions. And we open up more discussion on anti-Blackness and what are some motivations for parents taking control in the teaching and learning and leading their children, as well as other groups through homeschool. Many parents started in schools before making the decision to homeschool. So no matter where you stand on a debate on homeschooling, we practiced some part of homeschooling during the COVID lockdown. Mm -hmm. What was exciting was to see parents working together and making intentional decisions on ways they can assist their kids achieve with the mounting challenges of access to materials and instruction. Black parents who are homeschooling prior to COVID encounter mm -hmm. these obstacles and decision-making due to their encounters with anti-Blackness, and then they started on their homeschool journey. We show through their actions and parental involvement and intensity of emotion to racist policies, they were able to move their parental involvement to another level mm. and dispel the common belief that Black parents are not involved in their children's educational experience. Additionally, we also have Dr. Gonzalez de Haas, my hardworking co-editor for the special issue, and her colleagues contribute across cultural backgrounds, sharing that all parents were challenged with technology during the COVID lockdown. And we still have an increasing reliance to te on technology 
and what that means for parental involvement. How much is enough? What is the expectation of parental involvement in the technology landscape? And then lastly, but not least, an impressive contribution to the field on parental involvement during the adolescent and college years is an article by Erin Dotterer. And she examines the clear transition from when students are moving towards more self-reliance and independence. How does that shift and shape parental mm -hmm. involvement? Dotterer's contribution challenges hard issues of what is a sufficient amount of parental involvement and noticing the differences within different cultural groups and at different ages. We believe as a special issue, these contributions, as well as the introduction that was heavily supported by Dr. Lisa Lennonbrink Garcia, your co-editor for mm -hmm. Educational Psychologist, she encouraged, edited, and supported us through the introduction of the special issue and pushed us forward on the perceptions of what parental involvement looks like among the different families we serve. Yeah, that's that's really helpful. And it's, it's a wonderful overview of the various perspectives in the special issue. And uh, I mean, I really encourage everyone listening to, to check it out online. Alyssa, can you say a little bit more about the technology piece? Because I feel like that's something that got a lot of attention in popular press. And, and goodness knows, in my family, there were technical challenges. But I suspect you have a broader and deeper view of it. Absolutely. Of course, my article with my colleagues in the special issue examines parental involvement in supporting students' digital learning. Mm -hmm. Of course, the increasing rate of children learning by new digital learning tools raises questions about how parents are involved in these digital spaces, uh, what concerns they may have. Fortunately, the Hoover, Dempsey, and Sandler model provides really a useful and, and relevant framework to understand how parents construe their role and to understand what influences their decisions to be involved. And our article applies this framework to their involvement within digital learning environments specifically. Mm -hmm. So this includes how parents see their role in these spaces, the concerns that they have. And certainly, as you mentioned, the COVID pandemic, we saw, <laughs> you know, we heard a lot about those concerns, but also their efficacy to help support their students' digital learning. Mm -hmm. So some of the things we discuss are the importance of meaningful digital learning opportunities, parental concerns over the shift to these digital spaces, and parental confidence using the technology, and really kind of close the piece up with bi-directional digital communication between parents and teachers to help support parents as they, you know, in turn support their children's learning mm -hmm. and what some of those best practices might look like. Digital technologies are really referenced by a few articles in the special issue. For example, they are seen as a preferred tool for family school communication with Chinese immigrant parents mm -hmm. that utilize written formats and offer a familiar mode of communication as used in their countries of origin mm -hmm. that we learned about with the Yamamoto and, and colleagues there in that article, as well as Dotterer, who Mika also mentioned, Dotterer's manuscript focusing on adolescence and emerging adulthood discusses how the widespread availability of communication technology also offers an affordable and easy way for college students and their parents to stay in contact and kind of facilitate positive family relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's such an important perspective. And both of you have really highlighted something that I 
loved about the special issue, and that is that it's unfortunately the case that often when people talk about parental involvement or technology or online learning or how different groups might vary across those phenomena, that people sometimes take a deficit lens. And, you know, Sure, there are issues that we need to address for sure. But in addition, different groups, different cultures, people from different backgrounds also bring unique strengths. And those affordances are really important to highlight. And your special issue does that. And so the example of Chinese immigrant parents using technology in advantageous ways is a really nice example. And in both of your discussions of the special issue, Mika and Alyssa, you you mentioned this Hoover, Dempsey, and Sandler model of parental involvement. And that seemed to kind of undergird a lot of the articles in the special issue. And that model's big, you know, it's difficult to describe in a podcast, but could you just give us maybe like a, the highlights or a general kind of thumbnail sketch of what that model does and kind of how it's useful for thinking about parental involvement? I can feel this one. <laughs> uh, the model, which is you know very familiar to those in, in the parental involvement literature, it, it suggests that parents' decisions to become involved is really a function of key factors, including parents' construction of their role and the involvement activities that they consider important to undertake on behalf of their children. And I really think that that factor in particular was a really core thread throughout the special issue. But there are other factors. So parental efficacy or parents' confidence in helping their children to be successful in school was, is another uh, key factor in the model, as well as parents' perceptions of the invitations for involvement presented by the child or the school in mm-hmm. you know encouraging their involvement. And then finally, parents' life context. And a few things could probably factor in there including family culture, parents' perceptions of their knowledge and skills for various specific academic competencies might also play in there. And that and that's the original kind of Hoover-Dempsey uh, and Sandler model. And throughout the special issue, you saw different articles pick up, not necessarily on all those factors, but on, on some piece, especially the role construction. Mm-hmm. But for instance, efficacy was also big piece in my article with digital learning because we made the case that uh, digital efficacy, you know, parents' confidence to use, you know, to have Mm -hmm. the technical knowledge with Mm -hmm. with the computers as well as access, which is a different challenge, would certainly influence their ability to to be of help during remote instruction, for instance, like we Mm -hmm. saw with, with COVID. But it's also important to remember that, you know, digital learning has been growing even before COVID happened mm-hmm. with whether it's hybrid learning environments or virtual schools and just, you know, students taking online classes. Yeah. And that's, that's really helpful. And the model for me was a real eye opener. I hadn't encountered it before, but it takes such a comprehensive perspective upon, you know, what kind of factors affect the ways parents think about their role in schools and how they approach their involvement. But the, the pieces about kind of students' invitations and teachers' invitations and the learning mechanism, it's just a really rich foundation for thinking about really complex and interesting issues in parental involvement. And I'll say that um, I hadn't thought much about parental role construction. And so I found that piece really interesting. Can you talk to our listeners just a little bit about kind of what parental role construction is and what it can look like? I think I'll go ahead and jump in here. So generally speaking, your parental role construction is how you imagine or the values that you have in approaching parenting. You know, what do you value? Mm-hmm. And some of that is generated from your own experience. What did your parents do? 
And so we kind of emulate the things that we saw our parents or the folks that we were related to or some of our friends, the things that we liked, or even sometimes the things that we wish we could have changed. Mm -hmm. But these are some of the things that you, you know, you value as a parent. For cultural practices, they also define some of our parenting values and Mm -hmm. even our approaches to schooling. So parents generally ensure the continuity of cultural traditions in the upcoming generation. And we believe that it's timely for educational psychologists to consider the importance of, you know, some of these sociocultural factors and parenting involvement and how parents see themselves in their role in their kids' schooling Mm -hmm. experience. So for some parents, you know, as you mentioned, as a parent for the past 11 years, trying to, you know, understand more about your parental involvement. And then with the COVID situation, how everybody seemed to be figuring this thing out. But for some Black parents, those who were homeschooling, this situation was, you know, not so jarring in a Mm, sense that mm -hmm. some parents were just like, well, you know, we've been out of schools for some time, Mm, you know, uh, mm -hmm. we've been homeschooling and we've used this platform. So you, you saw many more black homeschoolers leading groups Mm. um, in terms of trying to get folks into curriculum and managing, you know, working with different age groups Mm -hmm. at one time, especially when you have to share like maybe one or two computers Sure. You know, how do you how do you manage, you know, all of that uh, mm-hmm. interaction? So there were several families who were helping each other during the pandemic in that respect and working through, you know, our new role in involvement in schooling. But again, this comes from our ideas on what a parent should be and what should that look like. Building on what Miko is saying or extending it, you know, one of the clear themes of the special issue is really expanding research into parental involvement that highlights sociocultural sensitivity. And Mm -hmm. ideally, the special issue is creating a space to encourage ongoing conversations that will really broaden how we conceptualize parent involvement in diverse contexts. I think many researchers in educational psychology seek to adopt a lens of, you know, being curious and conscientious. Mm-hmm. And with this particular theme, you know, that we are careful as researchers uh, and educators, for that matter, that we're not imposing our own values of what effective parent involvement looks like, mm-hmm. you know, that it, it's important to highlight diverse parental voices and the ways mm-hmm. they're involved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that we're, you know, sensitive to caregivers' experiences and concerns, and that includes showing genuine interest in the ways they want to be involved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it really sounds like there's a lot to be learned from parents who have had to navigate this in the past. So, Mika, you talked about how um, there were parents that were homeschooling, and there were Black families that had been homeschooling for a while, and I, I bet they could have taught <laughs> a lot of parents quite a bit about how to manage the issues that they were suddenly faced with during remote emergency instruction. And that was a strength that maybe didn't get tapped as much as it should have. And then Alyssa, your point about coming into the research on parental role construction and parental involvement with a more open lens, right? I think it's understandable sometimes that researchers bring their own values and perceptions and experiences to their work, but that has to be rigorously questioned. And I think what your special issue illustrates is that when you open yourself up 
to just hearing what parents have been doing and how they've been thinking, you could discover things that surprise you and that you might miss if you brought too much of your own perspective to it. So I'm really grateful for your leadership of this special issue and bringing that perspective to attention because I think educational psychologists and other researchers need to hear it. So thank you for doing that. Oh, no, thank you, Jeff. That was one of the pieces that when Mika, you know, because she definitely, she had the idea for this special issue. And one of the things that I really valued in, in the approach that she took to the special issue was to broaden how we looked at parental involvement and, and to understand the diverse context. So to look at not just sociocultural diversity, but also, as we mentioned, diversity in learning formats, you know, whether mm-hmm. traditional versus being online. And one thing we haven't spoken to yet, although I imagine <laughs> we were probably moving that way, was also, you know, for different age groups, because, you know, one article that really, really cemented this was Dottor's article with looking at how parent involvement evolves as we get into later adolescence and emerging adulthood, and looking at how that shifts to allow for, you know, students growing self-sufficiency. So that kind of broad lens she took to diverse context, it was really powerful for me and very inviting to be a part of the special issue. I just want to add that I think as far as the overall ideas in parental involvement, what we can also glean from this is some of the importance in unpacking parental involvement and how it affects or related to identity beliefs, you know, Mm -hmm. student motivation, Mm self-regulation, self-determination, relatedness. All of these things are intricately woven into some of our ideas of parental involvement and the ways in which parents try to find themselves involved or the role that they take in their students' educational endeavors. Mm -hmm. And those downstream effects are so well illustrated in your introduction and the model that you present, but also really enhanced by the articles in the special issue. It really, I think, broadens that Hoover-Dempsey-Sandler model to, you know, bring in more diverse and different perspectives. And so again, I I really encourage our listeners to check out the entire special issue. So Daughter's article really talks about something that maybe doesn't get enough attention, which is how parental involvement continues even after kids age out of school, right? You know, parenting as a job, is one of those things that you just don't quit. You, I mean, <laughs> you, it evolves, but I think Alyssa mentioned that it's you know it's an evolution in a, in the practice, and it's not something that we always get right. Mm-hmm. Right, and I see that as a big gap that not a lot of research looks at parental involvement beyond graduation. Right, that mm-hmm. focus and mainly it's on elementary, and so. You know, I learned a lot from her article, you know, looking at emerging adulthood and thinking about, you know, you don't just stop as a parent at that point. I mean, there's definitely an evolution of the ways because you're shifting, right? You're trying to help right. your parents, your, your, your children. Mm-hmm. And I know Jeff mentioned he's <laughs> a 16 year old. I have a 16 year old, Mika's children. I mean, you, you think it's not going to stop just because they graduate. So how does that evolve and how does that shift? And, and she does a, a good piece in conceptualizing and kind of operationalizing a little bit of what that might look like. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about students and parents and their interactions and formal schooling. I'm kind of curious, you know, what would you hope teachers would take away from your special issue? For teachers, I would say keep lines of communication open when working with others. I mean, other teachers, other parents, your students, but Mm -hmm. keep the lines of communication open and be willing to listen to sustain 
you know, meaningful engagement and mm-hmm. building relationships, I think, matter. Mm-hmm. And once you build these relationships, you'll see a difference in the time and the engagement that you will have with others that mm-hmm. are, you know, all working towards the same goal. Mm-hmm. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Ideally, the hope is to encourage that kind of curious and flexible mindset in educators who are interested in learning about parental perspectives and the values and their viewpoints and helping teachers to examine and reflect on their own beliefs about parents' involvement. And Mm -hmm. I think this will help to challenge any preconceived notions they may have. Mm -hmm. And to remember that genuine collaboration with families involves that willingness to listen to, to respect, to learn from one another, mm-hmm. and to employ constructive, you know, non-judgmental attitudes and behaviors. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to consider how this line of research might impact teacher preparation programs mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, it really sounds like it would be helpful for teachers to do some of the same reflecting that you're encouraging researchers to do and really kind of open themselves up to the idea that how they think about parental involvement may not be how their students' families think about that or the ways in which they do it or their efficacy with it may be different and to be open to that and really engage in a authentic collaboration with parents to figure out how they want to be involved and what their goals are for that. I think that'd be a a wonderful outcome of teachers spending some time with your special issue. Thank you. So you two have done something really difficult. You have guest edited a special issue of Educational Psychologist. I mean, it's, uh, it, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. Hopefully you found it rewarding. I know that our readers will find it rewarding. I'm just, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts or any advice you'd have for other scholars who may be interested in proposing a special issue to Educational Psychologist. One of the most rewarding things was that we had a distinct honor to work with Dr. Nancy Hill. Mm-hmm. who provided the commentary for the special issue. Mm-hmm. And she elegantly tied all of the manuscripts together. Mm-hmm. And her writing is so clear mm-hmm. and neat and poignant and direct. She disentangles you know, the approaches parents use for academic socialization. And I think she's just a fantastic writer and researcher. So that was mm-hmm. a great honor for me. But also the challenging and rewarding to me, I can't really honestly separate it, but the review process mm. is just tough. It's <laughs> exhausting. I mean, I'm, I would literally have to back away from the computer and take medication. Oh, no. <laughs> was, oh, wow. It was exhausting. <laughs> and I mean, aspirin, you know, what I mean. yeah, but yeah. I found I found that networking with the other researchers and hearing their ideas it was insightful and productive and gratifying. And we were always reaching and asking more questions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was never really a period where you was just like, okay, stop. <laughs> <laughs> just stop. It, that to me was, it was very challenging finding, you know, the kind of reviewers that we thought would be able to give us all of the insight, but we did. And mm-hmm. it was just a, a wonderful opportunity to work with them and get this done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the challenge I think I experienced uh, writing my piece, but I also saw some of the other authors' experience with the special issue is really being able to focus your message mm-hmm. and highlight the theoretical contribution mm-hmm. your manuscript will make in the relevant literature. And in terms of you asking about uh, what tips <laughs> I would offer, mm-hmm. it would it would definitely be that really be able to highlight the theoretical contribution. Mm-hmm that your manuscript will make. It's like creating a space to move the conversation forward for those 
with like-minded research interests. Mm -hmm. And um, editorial and reviewer feedback can be immensely helpful. Let's say, you know, it's immensely helpful in pushing you to conceptualize Mm -hmm. that contribution Mm -hmm. of your manuscript. Mm -hmm. And it kind of reminds me of one of my favorite quotes, which is, problems are only opportunities wearing work clothes. (laughs) If you're familiar with that um, quote, um, that's that's the way that kind of I keep a productive mindset, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I would also reiterate a truth that likely most of us continually voice with our own students, but I think we also need to continually remind ourselves of is that writing is truly a process. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to be open to the process and educational psychologists have some excellent reviewers. And I will say they will find the weak areas in your writing <laughs> and they will push you to kind of think through, qualify and reflect on your message. But in the end, I think you will find that the final article is a much stronger piece with a much clearer message. And if you're really lucky, it will spark interesting new research being done in educational psychology. Well, that's, that's great. I mean, that's the hope, right? So as co-editor, I, I never want reviewers to come across as, you know, just being nitpicky to be nitpicky or being difficult to be difficult. It's always supposed to be benevolent. I really appreciate your advice to other scholars that are thinking about working with our journal because, you know, your special issue is a great example of just this fascinating topic that needed to be broadened and deepened and, and, you know, approached from different perspectives. And you really brought together a fabulous group of authors that did that. And so again, thank you for the hard work and working through all the reviews to help the authors pull the special issue together. It really came together nicely. Let's talk about you two for just a minute. So I'm curious about kind of your current scholarship. So maybe Alyssa, let's talk with you. Like, what are you working on right now that you're excited about? Well, I'm taking a, a bit of a breather mm-hmm. <laughs> first after after this special issue, mm-hmm. but I will say that my colleagues and I are kind of turning. I guess we're we're in that creative space now where we're looking to our next steps. I'm part of a collaborative team of both educational psychologists and those in educational technology. And so definitely looking at our next venture in examining parental involvement in students' digital learning. Mm-hmm. I think I'm very much interested in research that more closely examines parental perspectives on digital communications. Mm. How do parents view digital communication versus more face-to-face communication? Mm -hmm. How are the relationships between schools and families impacted when using communication technologies? Mm -hmm. Uh, Are there digital communication tools that are more favored up till now? It's kind of always been like email is a very preferred form. Mm -hmm. But, you know, which ones are really more effective in nurturing a sense of partnership and trust, uh, as well as, you know, best helping parents support their children's Mm -hmm. learning? And, you know, how effective do parents with varying rates of English proficiency find translation applications is is another Mm -hmm. interesting angle. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, that that sounds really exciting. I understand the break. That makes sense to me. I would take a break too. <laughs> Mika, what about you? What are you working on that's exciting you? Well, I am moving forward. I probably should take a little break, but I'm excited <laughs> to get more to get a little bit more done. Uh, we've been working with different authors and submitted a book proposal mm. on mm. more on parental involvement. Mm. And mm. this will also take a look at, you know, culturally distinct communities, but also talk about uh, other issues in terms of LGBTQ issues and working with parents who 
you know, have transgender children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, what does parental involvement in, in this area look like? We don't mm-hmm. talk about some of that. Great. Also, parents and power. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like in terms of parent empowerment in schools? So we have uh, several creative ideas and the proposal is out there. Hopefully we'll hear some good news soon. Mm-hmm. Also, we're getting ready for APA. It's coming up. Mm-hmm. The conference is submitting a proposal mm-hmm. for APA on parental involvement as well. So there's lots to get done, but all of this is fun work and we're excited to have had the opportunity to talk about it over the podcast. Well, I'm so glad that you did and make a good luck with that book proposal. That sounds awesome. So I would, I would love to see that book get published and to read it. So congratulations and good luck. So Alyssa and Mika, again, thank you so much for your leadership on the special issue. I'm really excited about the perspectives that you brought to parental involvement to our readers. I think they're going to benefit a lot from reading your special issue and learning more about the different cultural perspectives, the role of technology, how parental involvement can support students' self-sufficiency and other resiliencies and other characteristics. It's just a lot there for our readers to check out. So I really encourage them to to check out your introductory article in Educational Psychologist entitled Parental Role Construction Leading to Parental Involvement in Culturally Distinct Communities, and then check out the entire special issue, which is based on all that scholarship. So again, thanks so much for talking to me about your special issue today. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having us.